Hey guys, it's Sean here. Welcome back to Making It, the podcast where I interview people in the music industry who are making it. Uh, today we have with us a man named Austin Santiago, and he has been coordinating and producing live events in the Pacific Northwest since 2003. He started his company Build Strong Music Group in 2006 and has since independently produced well over 400 events. He's now involved in a myriad of other projects that we will discuss in this episode. And so I hope you guys are excited. This is a fun episode for me to to interview and uh, enjoy the show. Hey, Austin, how are you? Hey, how's it going? Super good. How you doing? Can't complain. Beautiful Friday. Good, good. Um, are you down in Seattle right now? Yeah, I'm up uh, on Capitol Hill in uh, lovely Seattle, Washington. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for uh, uh, being down for an interview today. Um, for those who are listening who don't know who you are, can you... I don't, you got a lot of projects, it looks like, so we'll get into those in a minute. Um, uh-huh. Just Can you tell everyone like kind of who you are and how you got to what you're doing? Yeah, totally. Um, my name is Austin Santiago. I'm a, uh, I guess you could say, a music industry professional in Seattle, Washington. Um, I do a lot of different things, but my day job now is I'm the vice president of a media property called Do206. Uh, Do206 is a, uh, a website, an app, and an email list that's basically a really good way to find out what's happening in Seattle. Um, we do a lot of event curation and a lot of partnerships with like food events and festivals and different venues around town. And, you know, the basic idea is we just try to get people informed of what's going on in the city and try to get people out enjoying all the awesome stuff happening. Um, I'm also the founder of Build Strong Music Group, which is a promotional entity initially. And then we started doing uh, artist management um, about four years ago. And so it's kind of multifaceted. We throw events, we um, you know, work with artists to develop them and get their music out and heard by as many people as possible. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's the bulk of it, you know, do some smaller stuff here and there, but those are definitely the two main projects. Um, I got into it because I was a poor college kid and I was just trying to go to as many shows as humanly possible and realized that was not very viable on a college, uh, budget. So, I, you know, would go to a lot of shows and just kind of watch who was involved, who was with the venue, was talking to the artists and who was working on stuff. And um, at the end of the day, I just started bugging people and, you know, being like, hey, I'd love to help out. Like, what can I do? And so it started really basically with like handing out handbills and putting up posters to booking openers to, you know, those openers kind of becoming headliners to booking um, a uh, music festival to booking a, a venue for about seven years. So, and now doing artist management and some bigger event stuff with Do 206. So it's all ever evolving process, but um, you know, I think that's kind of part of the fun. That's super cool. What, so what came first build strong or do 206 for you? Uh, B- build strong has been around for since 2005. Um, so definitely build strong. Do 206 existed two years before I took over, which was two years ago. So it's been around for about four years. Okay, cool. Um, and so what does, what does a day, day in your life down at two, two, Do 206 look like? Totally. Um, man, it's super all over the map. Like I definitely do a lot of different things depending on, you know, every day is different. And that's kind of one of the things that's great about it. 
you know, the daytime is usually a lot of meetings, a lot of emailing, a lot of like trying to seek out new partnerships with people in the city. Uh, Seattle is rapidly evolving and there's always new businesses and new bands and new spaces and new companies trying to reach those people popping up. So for me, it's a lot of outreach, a lot of just, you know, trying to get people to fully grasp what we do and why we're a resource for them. Um, and then while I'm doing that all day long, I'm answering emails about the bands I work with, we're, you know, developing release timelines for new music. We're working on art for albums. Uh, we're talking about merch. We're, you know, sending each other inspirational memes, you know, all the, all the normal stuff. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, I, I definitely live in a, in an industry where you work to live and I'm working all the time. Like, I wake up and I'm working, I go out at night and I'm working. So it's, it's very much like a, you know, there's very little separation of church and state when it comes to my private life and my personal life and work. It's all kind of wrapped up into this public persona and this, you know, I just have to kind of live that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, and the, is there, it seems like build strong and do to six can quite overlap. Is that uh do they kind of feed into each other for you or? Totally. Yeah. I think that, you know, the cool thing about them is they're different enough that they, you know, there's not really any conflict. Like I'm not choosing one over the other, but there is a lot of opportunity through, you know, I can provide opportunities for the acts I manage through like events we're curating, mm -hmm. but I can also get the acts I manage for less than someone else could for the events I'm curating. So it's like one, one hand kind of washes the other where they, they tend to, you know, or like we will do like a content piece for Duto six and I can, get a song to use from one of the acts I work with, that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of back and forth. Um, they're separate entities. You know, Build Strong is, is my company. Due to us Six is owned by uh, Adam Zacks and Scott Parad. Adam is the founder of Sasquatch and the programming director of the Seattle Theater Group. And so, you know, I, I make sure that they're, they're both fair. Like if I do anything with Due to us Six that helps Build Strong, mm -hmm. it's got to be equitable and it's got to be fair because they're different ownerships and, Although they overlap and I'm in charge of both, it definitely, you know, they need to be sustainable on their own. Cool. When, back when you were in the beginning of Build Strong, how did, how did that look? You, uh, like, was that a lot of networking? Was it just the grind? Um, like what, yeah, what I mean, so up? what happened was I was working for a company, uh, working for loosely, not getting paid. I was basically getting into shows for free, uh, helping promote for a company called Conquest. And Conquest was this guy, Serge, and Serge was a great dude, but definitely a difference of opinions on stuff. And, you know, so I was working for him and I was like, how can I like start my own thing that's not competing with his thing? And so I started Build Strong as a clothing company. <laughs> so we were doing hip hop events and we were really making streetwear. So we would have our pop ups at all of the concerts and we'd sell like, you know, like Miles Davis T-shirts and like different like cool, like kind of modern interpretations of, you know, stuff that influenced hip hop culture. And, um, as that happened, I was helping do, I was helping, um, do events for my community college, uh, Whatcom community college. And they basically greenlit a festival that I put together. Um, that was like, you know, spoken word, hip hop bands. And they were like, yeah, you can call it whatever you want. So I called it the build strong festival. Cause that was kind of the idea behind the name in any way was like this, you know, Voltroning, like all these people coming to bed together to like build a community. And so, you know, the, the name actually came from a, a RZA from Wu-Tang song hmm. about that idea. And so it made sense for the festival. So we threw this build strong festival, which is really our first, like promoting our own event. Um, 
and this is like April of 2005, probably. Um, and it went really well. It was cool, but it caused a little bit of a rift between the guy who I was working with and, and me because he viewed me as competition at that point. So we kind of shifted from, you know, Build Strong Clothing to Build Strong Clothing Presents to eventually the people that were really more on the clothing side of stuff and more excited about fashion um, kind of fell to the wayside. And so it shifted towards music, which is really my passion. Um, and so it became Build Strong Presents. And then we did, you know, hundreds of events, um, West Coast tours, tons of shows in Seattle and Bellingham, booking shows for artists uh, regionally, um, and then started doing artist management. Um, basically, what happened with artist, man- artist management stuff is we were working with like Macklemore really early. We were working with Alan Stone really early. We booked Odessa's first show ever. Oh. And so like we kind of like knew they were all going to be big before they were. And so the problem with being a promoter is you're only involved in the, the life of an artist for, you know, X amount of tickets. Like you, you, if you book a room that sells 400 tickets, like you're, you work with them until they sell 800 tickets and then they move up to the next promoter. So there's not a lot of longevity. There's not a lot of like, you know, potential for growth there. And so I was like, all right, well, next time I know that, that I feel that thing and I know that person has that potential, I'm just going to manage them because you tend to have a lot more time you can invest in it a lot a lot more longevity and potential you know mm-hmm. and so yeah that's when we shifted from presents to music group because it was more encompassing than just throwing shows that's cool what um and so now do you do does build strong still um set up festivals or is it mostly just management now um, yeah, well, we still do a lot of events. So in the last six months, we've done like Jai Wolf, Big Wild, K-Flay, um, and some other ones. So it's, you know, we're, we're doing like quarterly events still pretty consistently. We do smaller scale stuff with our clients, like CD release parties for our clients and that kind of stuff. Um, but it's definitely like, you know, my time is taken up largely by Due 206. So the event side of stuff we tend to put under that umbrella because it's it's got a network and it's got a sixty thousand person email list mm-hmm. associated with it. So there'll be collaborations of the two, but usually if I'm doing an event these days, it's going to be under the Do Two Hundred Six umbrella, just because it, it's a more powerful tool to spread the word about the event. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we still do concerts here and there. Um, a lot of that is based in like relationships we've built with um, either bands or agents where when they're routing that agent, when the agent is routing that band through again, they're hitting me up to, to first because we work together, you know, we built the client with them. And so it's kind of like you have history with a client. They try to keep you involved. Cool. It's a lot less, a lot less proactive than it used to be. Like, I don't, I don't have time to just be constantly trying to find every new band and book their first show. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I have like a passion thing, when I really hear something I know is going to have that thing, I try to work with them on, you know, more on the management side as opposed to the promoter side. Cool. And what, what, is there a genre that this is typically, or is it kind of all genres? Um, I mean, it started with Indie Electronic would be, you know, kind of our umbrella, but even the Indie Electronic we were working with is pretty diverse. Like uh, the first act that I really took seriously as a client was this kid, Manatee Commune, who is, um, you know, he plays viola. He makes like kind of beautiful, I would say like Tycho meets like, you know, Odessa kind of vibes. Mm-hmm. And so we were working with him and then 
we signed on Cash Bandicoot, who is hmm. uh, more in like a dance realm. He he makes really dope like bass music, and um, you know, I would put him in like somewhere in like the hip hop, like almost like a RL Grime or something like that. Um, and then we signed Cufflinks, which is a duo, and they live in like a '80s, like you know, like racetrack in the future space where they're playing a lot of like really dope synth stuff but it's very like dark and driven Mm. um you could say like an oliver would be a similar comparison to them um and then most most recently our two new signings are maria massa who is a vocalist and maria was featured on some of the manatee communes tracks and she's been a friend of mine for a long time but she sent me her record which is this insanely beautiful um kind of like soul uh new r&b sound um and then chong the nomad who is like a you know savant cornish graduate with music composition in in chamber music so writes like classical chamber music like actually writes notes on paper Hmm. Uh, but also has been making dance music since she was 14 so she's she's releasing songs where she's singing that come off as like almost like the super organism vibe as well as like dance cuts, like straight up like club bangers. So she's a really interesting client and we're kind of trying to dial in who she is as, as a person, but also not really restrain her because she's so, her potential so limitless. Interesting. And so if an artist wanted to work with you either at do 206 or build strong, what, what would that have to look like? I mean, I think that, you know, we, we get a lot of people that hit us up from all walks of either like, Hey, we'd love to, get you to review a thing for do 206 or we'd love to have you sponsor our thing and mm-hmm. ultimately at the end of the day like my job is to know what's going on so you know i don't really very seldomly if ever is someone like cold called me and me worked with them in that sense because it really comes from like just building your building your scene building your network you know building your space in the community and like if you're doing big stuff in seattle i'm gonna know about it mm-hmm. that's my job and, you know, not just Seattle, but music in general, uh, but Seattle being, you know, the lens that we kind of focus on here. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just, you know, you're never going to you're never going to, quote unquote, like reach the tastemakers by blowing up the tastemakers. You're going to reach them by doing making dope art and mm-hmm. growing a community and, and making a splash, you know. Right. Right. Um, awesome. Cool. And so there are a lot of musicians who move to Seattle, you know, to, to become successful musicians, what would be your advice to them as far as getting shows, growing that audience, making that splash, like you were just mentioning? Totally. I mean, I think, you know, first and foremost, focus on the art, right? Like you create something that's original to you, create something that you're proud of, create something that sounds like you for you like don't make art for other people don't copy other people you know you're never gonna be anything but the second best whoever if you're trying to sound like someone else so i think first and foremost you know bar none the most important thing you can do is focusing on the craft and creating something that you're proud of um once you've done that like you'll see that the other the other ducks kind of fall in line like obviously there's a ton of different ways to be successful um, you know, people blow up from cosigns, people blow up because of a viral video, people blow up because they, you know, got signed to it with the right label. Like there's a diff- there's a million different ways to get there. But I think that focusing on what makes you an individual and focusing on why you're special and why people should pay attention is 
the key to success. Like certain people are really good visually and they have a stunning Instagram and they have a lot of success through that, or they're really funny and they have a character and they make YouTube videos and they have success through that, or they're a really good songwriter and they partner with other great songwriters that have bigger success than them and build their reputation through collaborations. Like there's so many different ways to do it that it's really just about, you know, why am I special? What makes my music special? What, is my strength and how do I own that and try to focus on that to grow this thing? You know, Mm -hmm. there is no silver bullet. There is no like, you know, this is how you do it. Like it's pretty apparent and you know, in Seattle and other places who the, the local landlords are like who takes up the space and who lends who, what successful bands are, who are, who are the people supporting these successful bands? You know, Mm -hmm. like if you're in Seattle and sub pop signs you, that's a really good look. And there's a lot that comes from that. If you're in Seattle and KEXP wants you to do an in-studio, there's a lot that comes from that. So, you know, acknowledging who these people are, but not necessarily relying on them to make you um, is usually how they start to notice people. That's awesome. Um, and so when you go in for maybe through Build Strong and you have an act that you kind of that you want to that you're the agent for, I guess, or I don't know if that's the word. But um... Uh, I'm the manager and the agent until we get an agent. So, you know, one of my one of my responsibilities as their manager is to grow their team. So finding a lawyer, finding publicists, finding uh, agencies that want to support their touring careers is all kind of part of that. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so that that mean your main focus or do you are you trying to craft kind of their how they're perceived or is that or do you just try to build that team? Is that kind of your job? I mean, it's literally just dependent on the artist. Like some some artists are way more hands on with like their visual stuff or their music stuff. You know, like I've had everything from very early stage input on music to overseeing branding to bringing in artists to handle the the visual side of stuff to you know putting getting lawyers in place to make sure all of our agreements are there. So. It's really just you're basically their big you're their business business big brother. Like you look out for them, you make sure that they're getting their fair shake. You help, you know, if if the art isn't where it needs to be, you, you're the one that has to be honest with them. Um, you know, you're just kind of the litmus test and the and the bottom line to make sure that everyone's putting out the best quality product um, and art they can. Mm. And how how big are your, are your teams at? both do 206 and build strong tiny yeah <laughs> uh build strong is essentially i'm we're going to be expanding and getting like a part-time like kind of intern position but it's essentially me and um evan johnson evan is the talent buyer at numos barboza and block party and he came on about six months ago signed a client named metza and so evan does some co-management and helps me with like consulting and like kind of big ideas for my clients as well as his client and you know we're both basically under the same umbrella but it's a pretty autonomous relationship like I don't really tell him what to do um he you know he'll ask for advice and we talk about stuff but it's pretty it's pretty autonomous um and then at do 206 it's pretty much there is a couple of interns but they're like mi- minimal like photo interns and stuff they're not doing a lot of the day-to-day stuff mm-hmm. um but I have Matt McDonald who is I guess you could say project manager. He does everything. Like he does all of our ad execution. He does, runs all of our socials. He does photography and video for us. Um, he does a ton of stuff. So Matt and I are the bulk of 2206. We do have two owners, like I said, Scott and Adam, who 
uh, lender role consulting and helping out in some ways, but they are also extremely busy in their own rights. So they don't do a lot on the day to day either. So basically two, two man team and a two man team. Um, but on build strong, you got to give credit to the artists there who are also visual artists and doing other stuff like Matt Ogle, who, um, is half of cufflinks. He designed our website. He's helped out a lot with the other artists on some design stuff and layout. Um, they all lend insight to each other. Like we have a thread that goes and, you know, I post helpful stuff in that thread, but they also like critique each other's music. And, uh, Paco as uh, cash bandicoot has mixed all the single before who's strong the nomad. So there's a lot of overlap with the artists helping each other that don't technically work for us, but they're part of the team, you know? Mm-hmm. And so coming from like an entrepreneurial mindset, how are, Due to a six and build strong, like where does the revenue come in? Um, so due to a six is, is partnerships, you know, it's largely a lot of our revenue is coming from, you know, brand partnerships where we're like either plugging brands into events or creating original events for brands, um, sponsored content, advertising. So we, we have an email list of 60,000 people that you can buy ads in. We have a, an app and a website that you can buy ads in. So the model there is is a blend of advertising and you know creative partnerships, almost like a like an agency would do. Um, and then do twelve six is you know there is some record some money coming in from like streams and that kind of stuff, but it's largely coming in from live events. Um, all of our acts are playing, you know, a bulk of the festivals regionally this summer, and uh, they they get good support slots for national touring acts, and then you know headline like we did a double headline cd release for cufflinks and uh chong and omad so the bulk of the money from bill strong's coming in from live events cool yeah and i feel like that's kind of the trend in the music industry anyway like yeah i honestly i've never like we have, we've had this conversation about how people were like yeah now that you can't sell records you know how do you make money and i was like i've never been able to sell records like as long as I've been taking management seriously, which is, you know, five years ish records were never really selling anyway. Like you can mm-hmm. sell them on tour, you know, it's smart to focus on building your merch and making your merch really smart and exclusive and, and having good stuff when you're doing big shows. Um, Cause that's a really solid revenue stream. You know, if you have unsampled music, then you can do a lot with licensing. And that's another thing we work on with our clients is, when we get a catalog of music, making sure that that music is being included in licensing pitches. And, you know, there's lots of different ways to do that. There's exclusive and non-exclusive deals. There's a billion people that do it, but you know, that's a really large revenue stream for um, a lot of professional musicians. So definitely one that people need to focus on. Mm. Cool. And so you, you seems like as far as your Instagram page goes, you got a lot of projects going on. Um, Are you, there's a lot, that are tagged in your bio are you are you in all of those or are those kind of just like co are they just related um i'm in all of them in some capacity i could run through them real quick so do 206 i'm the vp uh i'm half of that build strong i'm the founder um i have help from evan johnson noodle gang is a uh was kind of a joke when it started but it's working way too well <laughs> it's essentially like I used to tour manage for um, this group Zion I and when we would be in the Midwest there was always one really terrible noodle place and one great noodle place 
and we never knew which one was which based on Yelp being like not really used in those areas at the time. Uh-huh. And so we thought it'd be funny if like there was like an official like window cling that was like noodle gang approved. <laughs> so you just knew right away that it was a good and a good spot to go. And so that was the initial joke. And then we ended up making like a pin for Seattle and it sold out super fast. So then we made another pin and it sold out super fast. So then we did like a run of like t-shirts and sweatshirts and tank tops and stuff. Um, and then we also do right now we've done two um, like an annual uh, noodle pop-up where we actually curate a dinner and it's called dinner and a DJ. So we have like last time Chong the Nomad played, but play music that's influenced or, or um, goes along with the, the food. And so that's, that's what that does. Uh, beat match is a beat battle that I throw. Um, I started it with my friend Jacob Zimmer. Um, he goes by Calico. He's a DJ here in Seattle. And so that we're, we're about to have our second annual. Um, it's a competition where we narrow it down to 16 producers. They go head to head 60 seconds each playing t- beats on stage with judges. Um, so there's three votes. The two judges and the audience is the third vote. Uh, last year, the judges were Sango and Ryan Lewis. This year, it's Jake Crocker, who won the beat battle last year, and RAC. And so it's a really good competition format to get just these producers, like, preparing, making new music. It's a really good community-building tool because they hang out and, they, you know, they see each other's music. And afterwards, there was a lot of success from that. Um, Chong the Nomad, who I now manage, I manage her because she was in the beat battle last year. That's how I found out about her. Um, and then Metza, who Evan manages, got second in the beat battle last year. So... Um, that's not by accident you know when you see these really talented people producing and you get to see them on stage that led to our relationships which ultimately led to them getting management um protest fest uh we did for the first time in february we did it on president's day and essentially the idea was the seattle music community coming together to support nonprofits that were being threatened or defunded under the current uh hence the president's day and so with that one, we did six venues, six different genres, six different communities. So we had like a house music night. We had a hip hop one. We had a funk one. We had a Motown night. We had a like indie rock show. And so the idea was like all these different venues, all these different communities all coming together on that night to raise money for these different nonprofits. Um, and with that, we had a curator for each space and they got to choose a nonprofit that was near and dear to their community. Uh, Feel Good Inc. is a Right now, bi-monthly dance night that I do with DJ Hundred Proof. Uh, DJ Hundred Proof is a pretty prolific DJ as well as an event curator, designer here in Seattle. He started a thing called Motown on Mondays, which is um, an extremely successful weekly event here in Seattle. And uh, we kind of parlayed off that idea and the success of that night to create a spinoff. So this is in more like live music spaces, better sound. Um, just a really, really fun party um, with like kind of classic soul stuff mixed in with, you know, the weekend or like more modern takes on soul classics. Just a, yeah, a really fun dance party. And that's pretty much it. Uh, there's some other stuff, but those are the bulk of the, you know, what I'm working on right now. That's cool. I mean, that's a lot. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a lot. I, but yeah, but it's cool. It, like, it seems like they all mix in really well and they're kind of feeding feedback loop into each other. It seems like at least. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of overlap. And, you know, like both Beat Match and Protest Fest are under the Due Six umbrella. Mm-hmm. So like those are both things that are I'm able to do because of Due Six and because of the promotional entity and because of the, the income coming in from these other things are essentially able to fund those those events and make sure that they're 
like beat match was super profitable um obviously protest fest wasn't because we gave all that money to nonprofits. Mm. but it's just a cool event and i think you know as due to ultimate goal is to be like more of a cultural institution it's not really about making money like as long as it pays for itself and we're able to do cool events and have cool stuff happen that's the goal right no that's that's really cool and how 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 do you i mean you said you kind of work to live or live to work i mean but how what's your balancing all that at the same time i mean it's hard you know it's definitely it's a lot like if anyone that knows me will tell you it's like I'm a robot. Like I'm, I'm always on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if I'm good at telling you people how to balance that. I think that do what makes you happy. And for me doing a lot of stuff makes me happy. I'd rather, I'd rather be working on a creative project with someone that I respect musically than sleeping. (laughs) Right. So pick, pick the things that fill your life full of joy and focus on those. Does, uh, it seems like you have to travel a lot for this. Is that true? Um, not really. Um, uh, I do travel a lot because that's one of the things that feeds my joy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, with, with do 206, it's Seattle based. So right. most of our stuff is here. Uh, we do have a national team in Austin, Texas, and we go down there for like a summit once a year. Um, but yeah, most of my traveling is, you know, based in just me wanting to get out and experience the world as much as possible. Um, and you know, there's always inspiration that comes from that. There's always relationships that come from that, but, um, you know, also with, with the acts, like none of the, none of the acts I'm working with right now are doing a lot of touring, but when they do start touring, I like to go out with them and kind of teach them the ropes as a former tour manager and get them like used to doing it. So that way, when I am unable to be with them, they're capable and, you know, before we can pay someone to do it for them, they're totally able, able to do it on their own. Cool. And so that the the Austin Texas one is that is that the, like do five one six or something? Uh, yeah, do five one two five one two, and that's the original that's the original do site. So it launched there first, and then they expanded to I think we're in like nineteen cities now. Ding, that's cool. And so is that all underneath the same like one company? Uh, so it's kind of franchise. Okay. Um, essentially, do stuff is the national entity. And each metro is like their own entity. So they have local owners and local employees. Um, But they all feed back into the national. So it's like a franchise. That's cool. Um, What, how would you, how would you describe the, just the Seattle music scene in general? I mean, the Seattle music scene is interesting because it's definitely, you know, I think that in the sense of like creativity and people creating stuff, there's a lot of insane musicians and singers and rappers and producers and a ton of different stuff. And, you know, you've seen a lot of national breakout successes from, you know, the old stuff in the nineties to Sir mix a lot to Macklemore to now Odessa. So, you know, it is, it is possible to break out from here. Um, but as a, as a larger city, it, it doesn't really have much of a music infrastructure that isn't live. Like there's a lot of venues, there's a lot of promoters, there's a lot of you know spaces for live music, but there isn't a lot of talent agencies. There isn't a ton of labels. There isn't a ton of you know um, management companies. So it's it's really interesting because it's it's really hard to be a professional musician in Seattle, and it's really hard to be a music industry professional in Seattle. You really have to get outside of Seattle to, to have that kind of success, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. 
there's and it seems like there's a lot of uh more like electric or rap music maybe like indie electric whatever and then rap is there a lot of like i don't know coffee shop or folk or acoustic more oriented stuff there's literally everything yeah like i mean the thing is is like so you gotta look at like this is a conversation that happens a lot here is people say like oh kxp overlooks our genre or or this these people these gatekeepers is what people call them overlook whoever and it's because there's all, everything is being made here and only certain stuff bubbles to the top yeah um i don't think that's a conscious decision to like of on anyone's part to like you know write off a genre um i think it's more about like knowing how to approach people properly to get stuff done um but i you know there's literally everything like there's a dope funk scene there's a dope uh acoustic indie scene there's really great rap there's really great beat stuff there's hip you know mm-hmm. avant-garde hip-hop stuff like there's literally every genre and every style of music being made by super talented people mm, interesting okay um are do you find do you find yourself setting goals a lot not as much as i probably should um you know i think it is important to like kind of once in a while like meet people without agenda and just sit down and like kind of like envision what's possible um but most of the time you know especially because i do so much stuff it's like every waking moment of my life is consumed with just handling the present Mm -hmm. and so a lot of it's just letting it happen and and working really hard and you know making sure that the the projects you're part of or stuff you're excited about. Um, but I think that's something I could do better at. And I think it is important to kind of like dream board a little bit and, you know, imagine. Right. I think there's a, I mean, but what you're doing, you're so busy and you, it, that kind of allows fate or whatever to play and then things to become what they will become rather than like manhandling your, your visions into reality. Yeah, totally. I think that, you know, if you're, if you're, again, if you're focusing on doing stuff you're really excited about and you believe in and you're putting your heart into it and you're trying, like, if that doesn't get you there, I don't know what will, you know? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Cool. Yeah, it's good insight. Um, so, wrapping up, what, a few more questions. What, who are your most inspirational figures just in general? Man, uh, you know, there's a lot of different people, both both locally and regionally and then worldwide that I look up to and respect. And, you know, in a management sense, I think it's pretty hard to 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 compare anyone to Pat, the manager, Chance's manager, just what they've been able to do independently and how they've kept their success so public, but so like special and, you know, mm-hmm. really insane how they did that. Um, he would be he would be one that I look up to on a management tip. Um, but Adam Foley uh, at Red Light, who manages Odessa, you know, their meteoric rise to success has been astronomical and unbelievable, especially since I've been so close to it and been able to see that happen. Um, you know, and then on the other side, like I really respect my boss, Adam Zacks. Like he, you know, built Sasquatch from nothing to one of the best festivals in the entire world. Um, he books multiple venues here in Seattle at with the best nonprofit level with, you know, the Paramount, the more and the Neptune theater all under being the SGG brand and a bunch of shows outside of that. Um, you know, musically, like 
I get really infatuated with people and just appreciate like how they can create something so incredible when they're so young, like Daniel Caesar being one right now that like that Freudian record is like literally all I can listen to. And the kid's 22, you know, and it's like, how do you write music that prolific and special and simple at the same time when you're that age? So I don't know. I'm, I'm constantly inspired. I'm inspired by the people I work with, you know, like I just got a, a demo from Metza, uh, Evan's client, that I listen to maybe 20 times in a row because it's just it's so good you uh-huh. know so it's a constant thing for me I try to surround myself with people who um, inspire me what what makes for a what make when you hear an artist that you just say yep they're 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 good what what do you think makes for that man I think I mean if I could trace back everyone I work with and and why I think that ultimately I started working with them it would be originality I hear something in their music that only they have done and it sounds like them and it's an instantly recognizable, you know, like Mm -hmm. I can hear a song from Chong and I instantly know it's her song. And it's just about, it's about, you know, the temperature. It's about the, the snare sounds. It's about the, the way they side chain stuff. It's about whatever. It just has a sound. And so I think that, you know, all, all my clients and all the people that I really like felt that thing. I think a lot of it comes from just, Knowing that they're not where they could be, but hearing that thing that makes them wholly original and makes me want to believe that, you know, they could be that next thing. Cool. Um, do you have any advice for the, I guess, because we kind of just talked about musicians, but perhaps the entrepreneurs in the music scene, kind of like, kind of like who you are. So if you could tell, if you could give yourself advice when you were 20. Totally. Um, I mean, I think that, you know, the, the number one thing to remember is like, if you want people to support you, support them. So focus on, you know, one of the things I didn't do enough of was just blanketly admitting my like fandom for people in my community and supporting them. Like I would go to shows, but I never was like, Hey, I love what you do. And I really appreciate that you do this. And I think you're like, we, everyone's spending a lot of time and just accept like acknowledge that they're spending the time and and be thankful and share their event and come to their show and support each other. You know, Mm -hmm. just building that community is, is where the experience comes from. Building that community is where the, the relationships come from. And that community is where the, the ultimately the opportunities are going to come from. So, you know, find your community, find people that are like-minded, support good music, support good art. Um, And if you do that, you'll, you'll find your way. That's awesome advice. Last question, totally unrelated to music. Do you have a favorite beer and or snack? Beer and or snack. Okay. I mean, so I'm definitely more of a of a of a vodka guy. Okay. okay. Uh, a lot of that comes from I used to weigh a lot more than I do now, and so I, every facet of my life I've tried to like cut calories. Mm-hmm. And so for, for drinks, I'm just vodka sodas only, basically okay. because of calories. Uh, but if I were to drink beer, it tends to be somewhere tropical. Um, so you're going to see me with like a, like a Dosa Keys is probably <laughs> one of my favorite beers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm definitely more of like a Mexican light beer kind of guy. Um, you know, what kind of there's vodka? a Santi- Santiago beer that exists. <laughs> um, Tito's. Tito's all day long. Okay. Um, I've cut back on Tito's a little bit just because it's expensive and I hate wasting money on booze when i could be spending it on like traveling or mm-hmm. something more you know long term yeah um 
But yeah, if I was to have an unlimited supply of any vodka, it would be Tito's. Cool. What about a snack? Snack, man. I, I have so I, I months out of the year just to like hit my reset button. Um, and so every time that happens, I get a sweet tooth. And so lately, the snacks have been like not good snacks, like <laughs> Andy's mints. Okay. For some reason, like like this one restaurant that I go to serves those, and every time I have an Andy's mint, I'm like, these are delicious, and I want more of them. Um, but snacks for me, you know, I tend to I tend to be a, a noodle guy. So I'm at Asian restaurants a lot. So snacks, maybe like a, an egg roll or something like that. Nice. Um, would be would be common. Also, chips and salsa is my go-to, mm-hmm. like easy home snack. Yeah, that's life right there. It's the best. Tito's. All you need in life is Tito's and Tostinos. <laughs> I love it. That's a, that's the, honestly, if there's one quote out of this entire episode, <laughs> that was it. Cool, cool, cool. Well, hey, thank you so much for for signing on with me today. I enjoyed it. Yeah, man, no worries. I uh, appreciate the uh, the conversation. I hope your listeners got something from it. Oh, I'm sure they will. Where where should I send them if they want to find more out about you? Um, you know, I'm I'm pretty available on everywhere. Um, full name is Austin Santiago, but most of my handles are Oz A U Z Santiago. Um, I do have a Twitter thread. If you go to my Twitter page, that's to, uh, that's pinned to the top, and it's real like music industry advice. There's about 60 tweets on there of different um, things that I've experienced that I felt like sharing. So talking about distribution, talking about art, talking about the different aspects of releasing music. So that's a pretty good resource for people. Uh, but yeah, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, you know, any of those are, are all available. Cool. That's awesome. Well, hey, Austin, thank you so much. And I hope you have a, enjoy that, enjoy that beautiful uh, Seattle day. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. You have a great day, too. Thank you. See you. Bye. Hey, guys. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Sean D. Songs. That's S-E-A-N-D-S-O-N-G-S. Sean D. Songs. And stay tuned for more content. Till next time.